Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. Last week, we looked at the stewardship of Joseph and how he stored up energy and food for Egypt and the surrounding nations to survive the time of famine. This week, we'll look at what is the energy of the modern economy? What drives our standard of living? That'll be today on The Whole Steward. I'm excited for episode 14 today, so let's jump right in. To start off, let's get some basic definitions. GDP is gross domestic product. It's the total monetary or market value of all the finished goods and services produced within a country's borders in a specific time period. As a broad measure of overall domestic production, It functions as a comprehensive scorecard of a given country's economic health. Next, how do we measure energy? You can see a British thermal unit, which is one of the units we'll look at. It is the heat required to raise the temperature of one pound of liquid water by one degree Fahrenheit. Electricity is measured in a unit of power called watts. And watts are an electrical power equal to one amp times one volt. And a watt hour is one watt for one hour. What is the correlation then between GDP and energy consumption? Well, look at this chart if you're watching on video. Otherwise, I'll describe it to you. GDP per capita versus energy use. Now, this chart is from 2015. It covers 1990 to 2015, and it's on ourworldindata.org. The energy is on the vertical axis, 0 to 200 megawatt hours. And on the horizontal axis, you see GDP per capita. This chart is from 2015, but you can see a very specific trend As the energy uses goes up, GDP also goes up. It's a very general form as a rule of thumb. The more energy consumption, the more economic output or GDP. Next, let's ask the question, how is life at different levels of GDP? Well, life expectancy, you can see here, again on ourworldindata.org that as GDP goes up, the life expectancy of the people in the country goes up. Child mortality goes down as GDP increases. You can see maternal deaths as well per 100 births goes down as GDP goes up. Medical doctors per 1,000 people go up. Average annual working hours go down as GDP goes up. Tourist departures go up, so there's more tourists. Access to electricity goes up as GDP goes up. Access to improved drinking water goes up. Average years of schooling go up. Literacy rate goes up. Learning outcomes go up. Life satisfaction. This is apparently self-reported on a scale from 0 to 10, and you can see the general trend that satisfaction goes up as GDP per capita goes up. And so it can generally be concluded that more economic activity 
is better for life. Now, what is the breakdown of our energy usage in America? Well, for that, we can look at this chart on the EIA. You can see that the U.S. in 2021, the primary energy consumption by energy source. I have a pie chart here. You can see 36% is petroleum, 32% is natural gas. Renewables make up 12%. That's geothermal, solar, hydroelectric, wind, biomass waste, biofuels, and wood. That's 12% total. Coal is 11%. And nuclear electric power is 8%. So that then is the breakdown of what the U.S. uses in terms of energy and energy sources. Now, why is this important? Well, if you look at a country and its energy production, are we dependent on other countries for our energy or do we produce it in and of itself? Now, the next graph I have is showing our production versus our consumption from 1950 to 2021. And you can see that in the late 1950s and in the 60s in particular, we started consuming more energy than we were producing as a country. And by the year 2005, we were producing the least amount compared to our consumption. So our import of energy was the highest out of the time frame that we're looking at from the 1950s till now. The consumption was 100 quadrillion BTUs, whereas our production was about 70 BTUs. A 30 quadrillion BTU gap in our energy production versus consumption. And you can see we were importing about 35 quadrillion BTUs at the time, and we were exporting about 5 quadrillion BTUs. Now, since then, our production has gone up. We have been producing more of our own energy. And around 2018, 2019 timeframe, our production actually exceeded our consumption. We imported about 23 BTUs and we exported about a little more than 23 BTUs, uh, quadrillion that is, BTUs. So our imports are less than our exports, which means we are a net exporter of energy. Now, why would it be important to know what our strategic standpoint on the world stage is in regards to energy? Well, because as we saw, even in the story of Joseph, that access to energy is vitally important for life. Everything we do when you're walking and talking, you're consuming energy in the form of food that got converted to the energy that your body uses. Also, our modern economy is dependent on external forms of energy for heating, for light, for transportation. All these forms of energy are vital to our modern way of life. 
protecting or having access to that energy is directly correlated to our ability to continue and sustain the lifestyle and the, the wealth that we are managing. So the U.S. will do things like store petroleum in barrels of oil. We have what's called the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That oil is held in strategic reserve for a crisis. Now, what's interesting about that is you might think rising oil prices would be a crisis. Certainly, the current administration does because what they did in last November is they started to draw down our strategic petroleum reserve. On the whitehouse.gov, you can see a press release, November 23rd, 2021. President Biden announces release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as part of ongoing efforts to lower prices and address lack of supply around the world. So this is a very strategic political move because we have a shortage of energy, prices are going up, and yet to make it seem like prices aren't going up as much as they should, the U.S. has been drawing down that Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And here on the EIA.gov, you can see a graph of our strategic petroleum reserve. These are in thousands of barrels. So since the 1980s, we've been building up our strategic petroleum reserve, and it peaked around 2010, where we had just over 700 million barrels of oil in reserve. Since that time, We've drawn that down slightly, but in 2021, at the end of 2021, you see this precipitous drop in our strategic petroleum reserve. And it has been cut by about half down to 371 million barrels of oil. Why is this important? Well, this is supposedly smoothing out the prices at the pump, but it's at the expense of spending our savings account as a country. That can only be done so long before you run out of strategic petroleum reserve. And now what are prices going to do? Keep that in mind. The U.S. also uses natural gas as its second largest source of energy. And here you can see the breakdown of liquid natural gas as exports by destination. We are a net exporter of natural gas to the rest of the world, and we export a majority of that to Europe. Asia is also the next largest, and then Latin America, and then the rest of the world. You can see we are a huge exporter of natural gas starting around the beginning of 2022, or in the middle of 2021 and the winter, we started exporting a lot of natural gas. You've heard about the shortage of natural gas in Europe, and you can see that we are a major exporter of that. On EIA.gov, you can see the use of energy by type in Europe. You can see oil is a very big one, but natural gas is also a very large portion of their energy consumption. So 
the U.S. is exporting a significant amount of natural gas to Europe. So we are selling natural gas to Europe right now. Well, why is that important? Well, what I find fascinating is the countries in Europe that we are in agreement with, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which is NATO. It's an alliance of 30 member states, 28 European and two North American. So we have this treaty with Europe that aligns us militarily and strategically with Europe. We export natural gas to Europe. But you know who else exports natural gas to Europe? That would be Russia. So Russia exports natural gas to Europe. We export natural gas to Europe. This is important because Russia is at war with Ukraine and we are supplying Ukraine with military resources. It's kind of a proxy war. And as much as we want to say we're not at war with Russia, we are supplying their enemy. So the U.S. is militarily helping Ukraine and Russia is an enemy of Ukraine. But Russia exports natural gas to Germany. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline is a 767-mile-long natural gas pipeline from Russia to Germany, running through the Baltic Sea. And it was meant to bring uh, the annual capacity to 110 billion cubic meters per year. Now, this is interesting because there's a lot of sanctions on on Russia right now, economic sanctions. And whether you agree with them or not, the fact is that they were continuing to export gas to a NATO country. Now, as you know, recently, the pipeline was sabotaged. And if you look at the Wall Street Journal, it says U.S. probes whether pro-Ukraine group had a role in Nord Stream explosions. At first, they were blaming the Russians for the attack, but now Western officials no longer suspect Russia of ordering alleged attack against undersea gas pipelines. Let me ask you, why would Russia blow up the pipeline that carries the energy that they're exporting into Germany, into Europe, into the NATO countries? It doesn't really make sense, and yet the West is trying to blame Russia for that. Let's dig a little deeper next on The Whole Steward. Hey there, it's Andrew. I pour a lot into The Whole Steward, and I'm so humbled you're listening. Did you know I regularly post new articles to our website? I also send the Holistic Approach to Wealth newsletter once a week, to which you can subscribe at thewholesteward.com slash newsletter. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the show, would you share it with a friend or leave us a review? I'd really appreciate it. Oh, and thanks for listening. Now, think about the fact that Germany is dependent on Russia for these imports of their energy and they would tend to want to be friendly with Russia because of the fact that they're buying the energy from Russia. Now, the U.S. would want Germany 
to not be friendly with Russia because the U.S. is in conflict with Russia through a proxy war and in many different ways in conflict with Russia. So would the U.S. have an interest in keeping Germany dependent on our exports versus on Russia's exports? In a sense, we're both trying to make friends out of Germany. And you can see the U.S. has an interest in Germany not being able to buy gas from Russia. Russia would not have any incentive to blow up the pipeline. And the U.S. would have a lot of incentive to only have Germany buy natural gas from NATO countries and Western countries rather than from Russia. In an interview conducted 17 days before Russia invaded Ukraine, Biden answered a question about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline in this way. In case you haven't heard it, I want you to hear it directly from him. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. What do, what, how, will you, how will you do that exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. So I promise you we will be able to do it. He promised to bring an end to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. How? Well, that remains to be seen, but... An end has been brought to it. So you can see these battles over energy and why the different interests in the countries would be important. Shifting gears a little bit, on the home front, I did a little bit of math and looked at my electric bill compared to the national average. We use 6.3 megawatt hours per year, which sounds like a lot to me, but we're fairly conservative on our electric bill. If you look at the electric generation per capita in the U.S., it comes out to about 13.1 megawatt hours per person. And the total energy per capita is 76.6 megawatt hours. So that includes the use of you know, gasoline in our cars and electricity, all that stuff. Sounds like a lot of energy and we're burning a lot of energy. But Consider the fact that access to reliable energy sources is vital to your holistic approach to wealth. You need to procure, protect, nurture those energy sources. You can do this with how you vote, how you invest, how you consume energy. There's a lot of hype around renewable energy and there's a huge push to convert to renewable energy in the coming decades and that's great i love that uh, just keep in mind that right now we're not there yet we are still consuming fossil fuels and those are our primary source of energy so we need to not dismiss those and set them aside because as we've seen the correlation between energy consumption economic output and way of life uh, are vitally and intricately linked. 
Be wary of those who want to limit your use of fossil fuels. Uh, we must stand up for the general access to energy by the common people. As we've seen, this has a direct correlation to the standard of living on an individual basis. When it comes to electricity and electric vehicles, just keep in mind that electricity is not a source of energy. It's only a means of transporting energy. So there's a huge push to go to electric vehicles, but what's on the other side of that? We really need to focus on renewable forms of energy. It kind of boggles my mind when you see a vehicle driving on the road that says zero emissions vehicle. Yeah, the vehicle doesn't have any emissions coming out of it, but the source of energy that was used to not only create the vehicle, but most likely to also operate the vehicle, there are emissions to that. It's a much bigger topic than I can get into right now, but I hope you see the importance of energy in the economy, the effect that it has on our lives, um, the effect that it had on Joseph's family's life, and Joseph and the way that he was stewarding his uh, resources and honoring God through what he did and how Pharaoh was even honored through it and, and was able to feed all the surrounding nations, not only his own nation, but all the surrounding nations through the storage of a, not a petroleum strategic reserve, but a strategic reserve of grain. That was their primary energy source back then. And now, since oil is our primary energy source, we should be concerned that our strategic reserve is being depleted. Why? Just to mask over inflation at the pumps. Coming up in the near future, we're going to have some great guests on the show. I'm really excited to bring you those conversations. Until then, make sure you're being a good steward of the energy at your disposal. Be honoring God with your wealth. And now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.